With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. Today we are uh, coming off the bye week, and so we are taking a little bit more of a big picture look um, at the Big 12 and kind of what's been going on around the rest of the Big 12, and then looking ahead for this Kansas team. To help me do that, I have coming back to the podcast, Ari Temkin. He, uh, he is one of the hosts of the, the Big 12 uh, channel over on SiriusXM. Uh, you can hear him all the time over there. Uh, and of course he is, you know, a KU graduate. So it's very nice to have him on the podcast to talk a little bit about Kansas, um, and a whole lot about the big 12 in general. Ari, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Andy. Rock Chalk Jayhawk, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. It's, it's nice to be back in Kansas finally. Um, so I don't have to worry about all this, you know, converting time zones and all that fun stuff. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think things would probably be going better for you because I know you're involved with Dallas Cowboy coverage. And after what happened to Dak yesterday, I, I imagine that the mood surrounding the Cowboys is um, not not as good as it's been. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's definitely true to say the least. And, you know, look, I mean, this team had high expectations this season. They were not meeting those expectations. And now, you know, expectations change dramatically when you go from Dak Prescott to Andy Dalton. So, you know, nobody expected him to have his ankle chopped in half on Sunday. And oh, God. That's what happened. And, you know, he's, he's played in every NFL game possible uh, throughout his career. He's started and played in every game he's, he's been available for. So um, this will be the first time he's missed a game in his NFL career uh, on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, it, I like I just seeing that and hearing, like, what happened with that. It's almost it, – I mean, it's somewhat reminiscent of the injury that Alex Smith had. Um, but it's going to be a difficult road for him to come back from luckily he's younger and so it's probably more likely that he's going to be able to but i'll be i'll be interested i'll be rooting for him to make it all the way back um and you know hopefully be able to to, to continue his career because he was absolutely lighting it up this year and it just wasn't translating to wins for the cowboys so unfortunately yeah, no, this is sure. not a podcast so we're not going to sit here and talk about the nfl but um you know i did kind of want to talk stay in the state of of texas there um because the game that happened in the Big 12 that normally is a big deal, but honestly, this year didn't really seem like much other than the fact that it went to four overtimes, um, was what has newly been coined as the Red River bleh blah, blah by my co-host over on the 1012 podcast, and that it didn't really seem like it was that important, and other than the fact that we got a whole bunch of it this year because of the four overtimes, like, I mean, that didn't really seem like the Red River rivalry that we're used to. Right, I mean you know, for a bunch of reasons, you know, I mean, you could start with the fact that, you know, you have, you have no Texas state fair or a completely different situation for the Texas state fair, which is, you know, a drive up state fair that they had. And that's obviously plays into the pop circumstance. They normally have at the, the uh, red river shootout or the red river, blah, blah, blah. But um, yeah. And then on the field, of course, you have two teams that are, you know, traditionally ranked pretty high, or at least Oklahoma is and Texas wants to be. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, you, you have two, let's say, middle of the road to above average Big 12 teams at this point playing, you know, what's traditionally two elite level Big 12 teams playing for something much larger than just, you know, Big 12 fame and, and 
accolades. So yeah, I mean it was a it was a different different game this year. Now the outcome, it was a fun game, and and you know Oklahoma I think now is still very much you know in the picture to win, win the Big Twelve championship for a sixth straight year, but. Uh, it's going to be a long road for them, obviously, to try to do it. But I, I still I think that win, more than anything, seals that, that Oklahoma's not out of it yet. It would have probably buried them had they lost. And, and Texas had many opportunities to do so. But, you know, credit Sam Ellinger for not being able to complete passes consistently down the field. And credit Tom Herman for being an overall bad coach for, for the outcome of that game. <laughs> Sounds like you're our um... – just as bought in on Tom Herman as I am. So I, I have long said that Tom Herman is going to get poetic justice and have exactly the same thing happen to him this year that happened to Charlie Strong and going to end up getting fired this year. That seems to be more and more possible as the weeks go on. Um, so we'll see if that actually happens. But, you know, I, I think the big story to come out of that is that, well, mathematically, Oklahoma and Texas are, are still in it. The way that that performance went, I don't, I don't know that either of them are playing well enough right now to – to realistically be in that Big 12 race. Um, so I, I'm actually more interested in the teams that are actually in the Big 12 race at this point. Um, you know, surprisingly, Kansas State, I think, coming into the year. Iowa State is looking pretty good. And then Oklahoma State, um, you know, if, if, if I were to tell you that the Big 12 – or I'm sorry, if, if, if I were to pick three teams that I think are, are, you know, both of those championship game contenders are going to be in those, like it would have to be those three teams at this point because they've, they've looked head and – Head and tails, I think, above everyone else in the Big 12 at this point. Do do any of those guys or any of those teams specifically stand out to you as a heavy favorite at this point to either you know make it to the Big 12 championship or even win it outright? Well, I mean, the first team you could probably knock off of that would be Kansas State. And look, you know, as much as I love my Jayhawks and KU, as much as I hate K State, it's hard not to root for them and it's hard not to like them because Chris Kleiman's a really good head coach. And I think in a year plus in Manhattan, he's shown quite the ability to be really competitive with average to at times below average talent. But he's just a smart coach, very similar to Bill Snyder insofar as, you know, it's going to be a smart team that's not going to make a ton of mistakes. They, they play really well in special teams, you know, like blocking kicks consistently, great punt returns. Like they just – Chris Klein is just a marvel on special teams. So I'm I'm I've become a really big fan of Kansas State and Chris Kleiman covering the Big Twelve, but that's a team that you just look at and say, I don't think they've got much of a chance to still win this Big Twelve. You know, because now they're gonna be without Skyler Thompson, their quarterback, for the rest of the year. It was announced that he's out for the year now with an injury. And so Will Howard steps in as a true freshman and you know, look, he played well enough to win against TCU, but it's just difficult for me to think that he can consistently win games in the Big Twelve. He's he's inexperienced. You know, he, he really is not much of a threat in terms of passing the football. You know, he really made one big throw in that game, and it was early on. It was a throw down the seam to Deuce Vaughn, who was wide open, and Will Howard knew he was going to be a one-on-one with Blitz coming from TCU. So, you know, I I I I I just think it's really incredible what Chris Klein is able to do this year, considering, you know, they've had so much turnover at receiver with guys, you know, being in COVID protocol and not being available. You look at the statistics – you know, game after game after game, different guys making plays for them. It's been impressive, but that's certainly a team that I look at and say, yeah, I'm not really sure I'm going to buy them as legitimate Big 12 contenders simply because Skyler Thompson's not going to return this year, and I'm, you know, not certain what they have at quarterback uh, with Will Howard. So, you know, I mean, Iowa State to me is very much, you know, a team that's that's a, a major contender here in the driver's seat. You know, having already beaten Oklahoma and TCU. Um, in fact, it's funny because K State and and Iowa State actually have the exact same 
three games, TCU, Texas right. Tech, and, and Oklahoma. And, you know, Iowa State, like the biggest question is Brock Purdy to me because, like, they've got the best running back arguably in the Big 12 in Brees Hall. And if he's not, it's Deuce Vaughn, but I still think it's probably Brees Hall. They have two NFL players, NFL receivers, in Charlie Kolar and, and Chase Allen. You know, there are very few teams that have one guy with the size and ability of, of one of those guys, let alone two at six, 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 seven. So you've got matchup nightmares. You have a really good defense with a really smart defensive coordinator and an elite-level pass rusher in Jaquan Bailey. Like, you know, again, I, I, you know, Brock Purdy is really the only question mark because Purdy, you know, we really haven't seen him play that well this year. He played you know, pretty well against o- Oklahoma in that win. Played okay, pretty well last week. He, he just hasn't played great, and you know he hasn't really had to because Brees Hall's been so effective. But when you have so much good around you, and then you have a guy that's shown the ability to be an elite level quarterback, Iowa State's certainly on that list. Oklahoma State, obviously, like they're kind of laying in the weeds here a little bit. You know, nobody really realizes nationally how good Oklahoma State is because they haven't really played anybody. And even their Tulsa win to start the year looks better because of UCF's win over Tulsa a couple of, or rather Tulsa's win over UCF a couple of weeks ago. Right. But, and now their game coming out of the bye has been canceled against Baylor, so they're going to have two straight weeks off. And, you know, and then that starts a tough stretch for them. So we'll really find out a lot about Oklahoma State. But, uh, again, Andy, I would not sleep on Oklahoma. I, I still think they're contenders. Their defense is not good, but they do play well up front. Their defensive line is good and getting better. And, you know, as much as Spencer Rattler has been maligned this year, like he's a good quarterback, and he just hasn't gotten much help from anybody else. So. I just – I would not – I still wouldn't sleep on Oklahoma. Like, I'm still putting them in that tier that could win the Big 12 championship. Yeah, the thing with Oklahoma, they remind me a lot of what we see – what we've seen from Texas Tech a lot under Cliff Kingsbury, where they have a phenomenal offense that goes cold for stretches, and the defense is like – a. I mean, it's, it's 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 like it's not even there most of the time. And so, like, I, I, I'm – I think, yes, there's definitely an opportunity for them to kind of get it back together. And, and if, you know, Iowa State, Kansas State, and Oklahoma State kind of beat up on each other to keep them all within arm's length, and maybe Oklahoma can get back in the discussion. I just haven't seen anything from them that makes me think that they can get back in. But talking about Kansas State, you talked about Skylar Thompson, you know, kind of getting back in there and, you know, or, I'm sorry, not getting back in there. And I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing for Kansas State. The only guy that they have who is a surefire weapon for them is Deuce Vaughn. Skylar Thompson, I think, tries to do too much. He reminds me a lot of Sam Ellinger, but without as much talent as Sam Ellinger has, um, where, you know, he has a lot of confidence in himself. He tries to do a whole bunch, doesn't necessarily have the guys kind of surrounding him, but he does not have the ability to do the things that Sam Ellinger does that where he can be successful with them. And so Skylar Thompson, I think, in a lot of times detracts from what Chris Kleiman wants to do because he's just not the right kind of quarterback for what they want. I'm not saying that they're going to have better results because of that, because you're right, starting, you know, a, a true freshman quarterback who hasn't had a whole lot of time in a, you know, COVID shortened preseason, like it's not necessarily a good recipe for, for success on offense. They already have enough problems on offense that like, I, I mean, I, I definitely agree with you of those three that are up at the top of the conference right now, they're the ones that you say is the most vulnerable, um, you know, and, and, and I agree with your point that, that uh, Brock Purdy definitely has not been playing as well as he usually does. However, I think Iowa State's offense has been getting consistently better week to week, um, you know, and they may have a little bit of an advantage in just the fact that Oklahoma State is going to be cold coming off of two straight bye weeks now um, because of all the, the Baylor news. And so, you know, it, it's one of those things like if, if I had to pick a team that I think is going to win the Big 12 at this point, I think it's Iowa State just because of circumstances to this point. 
But, you know, Oklahoma State, that defense is completely dominant up front. You know, the, the one area of their defense, which is, you know, theoretically a weak point for them. You know, I've, I've seen several people talk about open field tackling maybe is an issue for them. But when your defensive line can get to the quarterback in two seconds flat, a lot of times it doesn't really matter because they don't have an opportunity to get the ball into the open field. So I think it's going to be an interesting race between Oklahoma State and Iowa State. If Kansas State can spoil it for either of those two teams and keep them kind of close, then I think a team like Oklahoma could potentially sneak up. Maybe a West Virginia could sneak up and surprise some people because they've been playing a little bit better than I think anyone really expected them to. But, uh, you know, the, the, the big question I think to come out of this is, you know, does the Big 12 actually have a, an opportunity to get anyone to the playoffs this year? No. I mean, sorry, yes, yes, yes. Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. I mean, if they run the table, yeah. they're a playoff team. But, well, right, right. I mean, like, I think that's literally the only opportunity that they have is that Oklahoma State has to look really good doing it, and they have to go undefeated at this point. Um, you know, in a way, though, I almost think that the Baylor game getting rescheduled to the end of the year, where, where is that right now, could actually help Oklahoma State in a push for the playoff if they do go undefeated, because that gives them another decent game without a week off that they can build that momentum and push into the Big 12 championship game at that point um, and, you know, stay in everybody's mind and give themselves an opportunity to really get there if they can, you know, run a clean slate in the Big 12. That, that's a big if at this point. Um, because of their offensive issues, you know, that they have. I, I'm still not sure when Spencer Sanders is coming back. You know, the last I heard, he had a high ankle sprain, and those can linger for a really, really long time. So even if he does come back, he may not be at 100%. So I'll be interested to see what their offense is going to look like after these two bye weeks that they've had. But um, any, other, any other thoughts about the Big 12 race or the playoffs or anything else like that before we get over to some, some Kansas talk? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, look, I, I think – Kansas State, you know, had some weapons certainly coming into the year and Malik Knowles and, and Joshua Youngblood. And those guys really haven't, you know, played much this year. I know Youngblood was dealing with, with uh, either trace testing or having COVID himself. Knowles, I'm not really even sure, you know, what to make of him. But, look, I, I, I just, in terms of going back to your, you know, Thompson versus Will Howard thing, like I, I just think at some point in games, teams are going to be good enough to have to force Howard to beat them and they're going to stop you know, Deuce Vaughn a little bit and not allow that running game to get going. And I think if that happens, that's where I'm, I, I'd rather have a Skyler Thompson who, you know, I mean, he is a really heady player and he seems to know what to do in winning moments, especially using his legs. But, um, you know, we'll see. It's, again, a very interesting team given from a personnel standpoint, they shouldn't be doing what they're doing. And they shouldn't have right. done what they did last year based on a personnel standpoint. So, you know, all bets are off. It's a really good coach, really well-coached team. And, you know, sucks. Hate to see it because it's K-State, but right. it is what it is. Right. If, if you put any other logo or any other school name on that team, then I think I would have absolutely no problem rooting for them and, you know, honestly rooting for them. You know, like, make them the Colorado Buffaloes, you know, which was low-key my, my second favorite Big 12 team before they left the Pac-12. Um, like, I would be all over that. I would really enjoy that. But the fact that it's K-State, like, I, I'm torn because I want to root for them because of the people involved, but I don't want to root for them because of the school involved. So it'll be <laughs> yes, that's exactly how I feel. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how well they can stay in the race. I, I'm imagining that at some point, you know, cause they're going to have a pretty tough slate, I think where they play Oklahoma state and Iowa state back to back, if I remember correctly. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of hang in those games, if they can split those games and they have an opportunity, I think to really push to the big 12 title game. 
Um, but we'll just have to see. So, all right, well, I, I'm, I do want to go ahead and turn it over to Candace. We actually have a listener question. Um, now that we're on Anchor, we're actually able to get voicemails that, that people can ask us questions. So we have one of those. We will get to it right when we get back. But before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Hey, guys, Phil Slavin from the 1012 Podcast. Uh, just curious in regards to Kansas and moving forward, I know you guys are, are talked about the, the need for, for wins and offensive success and far, as far as recruiting goes. But looking at Kansas in this season moving forward, what do you think would be more impactful for the, the program as Les Miles continues to try and build it back up, playing the younger guys, uh, playing some of those guys and trying to get them ready to go and develop, or trying to win games this season. Thanks, guys. All right, and so our, our question, um, you know, I, I'm actually going to go ahead and turn it over to you first, Ari. Which one do you think is more important, focusing on that development of the young players or trying to win games right now? That's a great question. What have they been doing? <laughs> <laughs> that, that is a good question because I'm not really sure. I mean, they've been playing so many young players that at this point you have to say the only positive that they've been able to take out of this is the development of those guys. But they also have so many guys that are being thrown in there, not necessarily because it's a plan, but because of injuries or, you know, just not having guys available. Like, you know, against Coastal Carolina, they had 39 players that weren't available going into the game. And so they played a lot of players that I don't think you would have expected to be starters coming into the year. Um, and they got a lot of, a lot of really, really, you know, I, I hate to say good playing time because they definitely didn't, you know, have good results on the field, but it, it was at least experience for these guys that will benefit them down the road. But, you know, I, I think there's at least an argument to be made about trying to win games now because of recruiting, you know, they already had Keon Coleman, the, the highest recruit right. in this class coming up that decommitted. I'm wondering if they don't get at least a couple wins here this season, how many more of those big name guys that they, they were hoping were going to anchor this class, are they going to lose? And so, you know, if, if you're, if you're the, in, on the Kansas staff trying to decide what should our main focus be the rest of the year is, are we developing these guys hoping that they're going to lead us to, you know, maybe three or four wins next year if they can get all that development now, or do you throw in your, your more experienced guys and hope that they can get you to a couple wins that might help you bring in, additional talent that you can be using for the next three or four years. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess to me, it kind of starts at the quarterback position, right? Because you obviously want to develop players at all different positions, but you know, I mean, this, this team had a chance to win games last year because of the quarterback situation. And, you know, so it seems certainly like this year, part of the, the issue is just really bad, poor quarterback play or indecision at the quarterback position. So I would say first and foremost, you know, Brent Deerman and Les Miles have to figure out like who is your who's your starting quarterback that helps you win games today, but also for long term. You know, who's that guy going to be? And then, you know, that then you kind of have to prepare around that for growing pains and all these different things. But I mean, to me, Andy, it starts with quarterback because again, you know, you you, you give yourself a chance to win when you've got a quarterback that gives your team a chance to win. But that is such a developmental position. And so, you know, I, you, there's obviously some weapons that, that, that Kansas has that you're not going to count on in future seasons that they're going to have to develop behind these guys. And so I think, like, that's to, just to me, it just starts with consistency at the quarterback position, know who the guy's going to be, and then commit to that guy. And, you know, don't let mistakes and issues in the short term 
you know, change that, that arithmetic for you. And may, maybe it is just as simple as they want to see how different guys, you know, react to different circumstances. I'm, I'm not entirely certain, but to me, I just think, like, I guess I'm part of team development because I'm not entirely sure what they've been doing, but it doesn't seem like they put a lot of time and effort into the development side of things. And the other thing, too, is, like, do we have any idea how many scholarships they're at right now in terms of trying to get back to that, that number? Because I haven't been able to get a straight answer from anybody on that. I think last I heard they were at like 71 um, and the, the expectation was that they were going to have problems. Like they were going to lose a full 25 this year. Um, but they actually are going to probably get a little bit of help from the fact that, that you know, everybody can <laughs> come back because of COVID, like everybody's able to come back if they want to. And so I'm sure they're going to have some people that are going to leave. Um, but you know, they're essentially going to get another extra free class of guys that they can play and they can you know develop behind. So like next year they're going to have, more people than they normally would have um, just because of, you know, the, the way that that worked out. And as long as they continue this, this uh, recruiting strategy and bring in a bunch of high school players, like they very well could, as soon as next year, have the whole scholarship situation fixed and, and keep it there. And so, right. You know, that, that will probably be bless miles biggest accomplishment so far to this point is getting us back to normal scholarship numbers, which, you know, you would hope isn't, isn't the biggest accomplishment that he could have, but um, to, to, to get back to the question about development or trying to win games, I think they answered this question for us when they started Jalen Daniels in the Baylor game. And then they yeah, went ahead and right. started him in the Oklahoma State game, but then he got injured. And the only reason, I mean, the only reason Kendrick came in is because Jalen Daniels got injured. Now, the only reason Kendrick finished or, you know, basically finished the meaningful minutes in the opener against Coastal Carolina was because McVitie got injured. And so I think it's kind of one of those things that they've, they've really answered, I think, who you know, kind of what the pecking order is. And it's either going to be Jalen Daniels if they want to develop or Thomas McVitie if they're going to try to win games. Uh, and Kendrick is kind of the guy that just comes in when they need someone. <laughs> Unfortunately, like, I think that's where they're at. But I think the biggest problem, honestly, like normally you would say that the biggest, like everything starts with the quarterback. But in this case, you know, I think we're finding both with Kansas and some other teams around the Big 12 that everything really starts with that yeah. offensive line. Kansas offensive yeah. line. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they don't, like in the last few years, they've usually had one or two guys that can anchor the line to at least give them an opportunity for the quarterback to do something. They lost the team at energy. You know, they lost, uh, I forget the guy's name that left before the season started, who was going to be their, their most experienced offensive lineman. Like the only guy that was coming back that, you know, we thought was going to really anchor them and, and he left. And so like, they are playing a bunch of guys that while they have some juniors and seniors on that offensive line, none of them have a full season's worth of starts coming into the year. And so there's not a lot of experience. There's not a lot of cohesion because they didn't have, you know, the, the, the whole preseason program. And so that's Kansas big problem is that they have talented skill position guys. And Jalen Daniels looks like he has an arm. He looks like he can make plays and, you know, he's dealing with some kind of inexperience, not really knowing when to step up um, right. partly because of inexperience, but also partly because it's hard to know where to step up. If everybody is coming at you from the, from the opposing defense, and so, like, they haven't really given a, a quarterback an opportunity to really make plays, but they've got tons of skill position players. They should be at least a semi-competent offense, but the, the line is getting beat so bad that they're just not giving anyone an opportunity to do anything with the football. Yeah, you know, and, and look, I mean, I think it's no secret, you know, up front on both sides of the football, you know, offensive line and defensive line, you know, I mean, right. it's, it's, you know, you look at the best teams in the Big 12 right now, and you know, what's the constant? They all have good running games based on a quality feature back, good offensive line. And then they're both the team, you know, both, they're all teams that are disruptive along their defensive line. 
And I mean, yep. this isn't, you know, this isn't a big 12 this year thing. That's obviously just a fundamental football thing, you know, in terms of being stout up front on both sides of the football. And, you know, I, I mean, look, I think that the Daniels McVitie thing is a very interesting discussion for the point that you just made, which is, you know, McVitie is the guy that, that you think helps you win games today, but Daniels is the guy you're developing for the future. And, right. you know, if all things are equal, and and that's, I guess, how the start of the season, right, with McVitie as the starter, because that's, that's how they're going to win games. But I think you're at a point in time right now where the answer is, you know, developing for the future. And, if, you know, part of part of that is also, you know, figuring out how injury-prone some of these guys are, especially a guy like Daniels who, you know, can win in, in multiple ways. Um, right. So, no, I mean, I, you know, look, I, I think you obviously want to be good up front and you're just not going to have, like, there are very few guys you can replace that, I mean, like, identity's playing in the NFL right now. Like that that's a pretty huge step forward for a program that doesn't have a lot of those guys. So considering you lose a guy like that, it's going to be hard to replace them. Um, even even though, like you said, they still have experience while you're off at the line. But it's just, I mean, you know, it, it just goes to show you the difference that this team and this program is trying to make up right now. Yeah, I mean, that's where Kansas, I think, needs to focus, both in recruiting and in development. They need to find a way to develop that offensive line talent have a lot of guys that that potentially could turn into good offensive linemen for the big 12 um you know not like first team all big 12 like that kind of level at this point at least not from what we've seen but they at least have guys that can turn into a competent offensive line that will allow these skill position players to actually do something they just need to give them experience so that they can you know and, and they really need to work on that camaraderie build that that unit cohesion and you know i mean like the biggest problem i think i was seeing in the game from what i was watching was that one, you know, they weren't working together to block guys. Everybody was just trying to take their own guy one-on-one. There wasn't a lot of team blocking. There wasn't a lot of, you know, like shifting people around a certain spot or anything like that. It was all about trying to take on defensive linemen one-on-one, and it just wasn't working. Um, you know, and well, so that's like, just that's it. where I think, that, yeah, that's, that's where they need. I mean, offensive line play is, is so much about the unit and not about the individual right. talent. I mean, because, you know, one person blocking one individual makes no difference at all it's got to be five blocking five and if you don't have yeah. that you know you're in big trouble yeah so the next area that i kind of want to talk about because this came up a lot in the in the oklahoma state game you know kansas also seems to be dealing with a lot of more injuries than i think we are used to seeing um you know i i counted and my numbers may be off by a couple but i, I counted that they went into the oklahoma state game with it was either 13 or 14 defensive backs you know, so cornerbacks and safeties, they ended that game with, from by my count, only five healthy defensive backs um, because of injuries and guys that just didn't seem to be able to go. Um, you know, it was really weird. Like they were getting to the point where they were dealing with backups and, you know, like everybody was shuffling in backups everywhere. And it was the same guys who had been playing since early in the second quarter in, in the defensive back spots because they just didn't have anybody else to throw in. Um, you know, is this, is this, like the fact that they have so many, like we're also hearing about like Puka has now suffered injuries in two games, um, you know, in, in, in two different games. And the fact that they've had, you know, the ability to kind of push games back has helped them a whole lot. Um, but like Puka probably wouldn't have been able to go if they had played this last weekend. Um, this weekend coming up, it looks like he's going to be a full go. But the, like 
do you think that this is related to not having a preseason or is Kansas just getting extremely unlucky with injuries this season? Well, I mean, I think whether it's injuries or trace testing or positive tests, you know, I mean, this is a problem that's plaguing the college football world. I mean, you know, it's, it's just very difficult in, you know, in the current environment to field a full football roster and, you know, and, and know on a week-to-week basis who you're going to have. And so, I mean, yeah, it, it's it's hard to divorce, you know, the entirety of the situation from the context of this season for anybody, right? Like, yeah, shortened camp, that's going to hurt. Um, you know, having, you know, guys test positive and they have to do trace testing, having certain guys out and not knowing when these guys are going to be out, when they're going to come back. In the case of Kansas, having your head coach come down with COVID, like that's, you know, how, how is he managing the team? Why, you know, that's just a, I mean, they're going to try to make it sound as good as possible, but that's a very difficult dynamic to not have your coach on hand for two weeks, you know, especially during a bye week where you're supposed to get a lot of work in to try to, you know, figure out what kind of team you have and where you can improve and all those kinds of things. So, yeah, I mean, injuries happen. It's a part of football. This team we know is not going to have much depth anyways. So it's like your depth is going to be tested when you have injuries and you're supposed to have guys that step up and Kansas is not going to have that. One, because they just don't have the talent. Two, because they don't have the scholarship numbers as we've been over. You know, I mean, you're, you're basically at this point, you know, what we think to be 14 or 15 less scholarships than every other Division One program. So, you know, that's yeah. a strict – I mean, think about that. That's an, that's an entire unit and, and then some. So, I mean, that, that's significant in terms of, you know, really killing your depth um, at any position. So, yeah, I mean, just overall, Kansas not really in position to overcome many injuries, let alone the injuries that they've had. And then, you know, and that, that's what I mean to factor in sort of the dynamic of COVID-19 and, and, and positive tests and trace testing and all the other components that go into that. And, you know, and, and because of a lack of transparency, we're not really sure what are injuries and what are, you know, positive COVID tests. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it seems like every, you know, because they had, they had quite a few people that were unavailable in every single one of their games. And of course there's no, like the only thing you know is that those players aren't available. You don't know if it's because of COVID, like they keep saying the numbers that they have in COVID, but who knows, like if that's honestly them being honest, we've already seen instances of teams potentially fudging the numbers a little bit, either to not play games when they think that they're having other problems. Like I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Kansas had a sudden rash of, you know, maybe three or four COVID injuries at very key positions if they were dealing with injuries and, you know, were afraid of being able to field a team. Like, there's definitely the potential for that kind of stuff to happen. Um, speaking about the COVID diagnosis, though, for Les Miles, like, you know, for, first of all, the way that that all came out, you know, he, he hosted the, the Hawk Talk radio show um, with what he called sim- cold symptoms. And then the next morning it came out that he was COVID positive. Um, you know, I... I get a, a sick knot to my stomach when when that's kind of what's going on there and you know kind of how they're how they're handling this. I'm worried about p- the potential of COVID spreading if you know if that's kind of the precautions that they're taking. But the the main question I have for you is you know they seem to think that Les Miles is going to be back on the sidelines for West Virginia. I think that's barely ten days from when he was actually diagnosed as positive. Um, it seems a little quick to me and makes me kind of wonder is you know how. Do you think that that reflects on how seriously them and, and maybe the rest of the Big 12 is kind of taking the rest of this this COVID stuff? We've already had several games now that have had to be postponed because of COVID. I'm guessing that we're probably going to be at least a few more throughout the rest of the season. But 
you know, I, I guess I'm just I, maybe I'm taking this more seriously than than most Kansas fans or or most people in the Kansas administration. But I just seem it seems like it's a little quick for me to be him, you know, expecting to be back against West Virginia. And if we are to believe what DJ Elliott said, you know, in in the in the most recent media availability, like they're not even planning on contingencies for if he's not able to come back. They are assuming that he's going to be back. They are absolutely counting on that. Um, it makes me wonder, like, what could go wrong and how bad it's going to get if he's not able to come back? Because it just seems like it's too soon to me. Yeah, I mean, look, I would say the Big 12 as a whole is very much taking every component of this seriously. I mean, they, you know, I would imagine, you know, there are a few conferences in America that are taking it as seriously, quote-unquote, as the Big 12. The problem is, Everybody's left to, to their own devices. That's sort of the dynamic of the Big 12 anyways. You know, the, the Big 12 works at the request of the member institutions, not vice versa. So right, you know, right. the Big 12 can say and do whatever it wants, but it's really up to these individual institutions to make the right decisions here. And that's – Yeah, and I guess you know, I, I wasn't day, talking about the, the Big 12 like the conference offices, but more of the Big 12 as in the collective of the teams in the Big 12 conference. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not entirely certain, you know I, – I, look, I would say – Generally speaking, a lot of college football programs have not really acted within the the moral guidelines, I, I would say, you know, maybe to, to put it a, a light way, right? Like there's pretty significant history of college football programs, you know, kind of doing whatever it wants, even for the sake of, you know, sexual assault. Um, I mean, you name it, right? I mean, there's there's a there's a pretty right. significant history here of, of, you know, the reality of the situation is you have uh, institution of higher learning on one side and, and ac- academia and, and athletics on the other side, and you know, athletics in many ways runs a university. It shouldn't, but it does because so much of the money that the university brings in is tied to athletics, and even if it's not directly tied to athletics, it is because a lot of people choose a specific school because of athletics. You know, they see that time right. and time again when. George Mason went to the Final Four. They saw a 400% increase in enrollment. And you can, I mean, you can do that 10 times over for, for multiple schools. A big reason I chose Kansas was because of their basketball program. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's not insignificant. So, you know, say all that to say that there is a, a tremendous level of power that the athletic side has, and they need to keep the ball rolling. And so you, you probably push the envelope. I don't want to make – you know, any broad generalizations or throw, you know, basically say anybody's doing this that I know of because I don't, but I would believe that it is happening, that there are, there are numbers being fudged, that there are, you know, tests that might be, you know, being depressed, that, that you know, these things are happening because we've seen them happen throughout the course of college football for way worse things, so why wouldn't they happen for this? Um, now, that's a long way to say I'm not entirely certain um, if Kansas is doing that, or if anybody else, the Big 12 is doing that in particular. Again, I, I, I just would imagine that people are because that's what we've seen in college athletics for 100 years. But um, I would also imagine that Les Miles is probably getting pretty significant medical treatment that's probably beyond what most of us could get. And so because of that, maybe he's, you know, he is True. getting uh, access to, um, you know, types of medicines that are not, you know, fully FDA approved at this point for this, but are being in test, are being tested. That's what we've seen. You know, a lot of people come back, the president included, much more effectively than maybe others. So, you know, I would hope because this is one of those things that's so public that it's, you, you know, you, you can't really make a bad decision here. 
for the sake of the university and for the sake of the athletic department because everybody's watching and it just would look horrible and would just be such a bad situation for college football as a whole because of the optics of it. So you'd hope that because it's such a public thing, this wouldn't be one of those things that, you know, Kansas would treat like many other college football or college basketball programs treat, treat morals when it comes to many of the things that happen on a college campus that sort of go unpoliced because of athletic departments. So, again, hopefully, I agree with you, it seems like it's too short of time. Hopefully it's not given that, you know, this is something that would very much look poorly, reflect poorly on the University of Kansas, way more so than this football program already has. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the only way that we're going to know for sure is if, you know, if all of a sudden, about two weeks after after this West Virginia game, Kansas has a rash of COVID cases. Like, I mean, that's that's really the only way we would know for sure that he came back too early. And so, I mean, and, and even though you couldn't necessarily 100% positively attribute it to him coming back that early, like, it's it's one of those, you know, the the preponderance of evidence, like, that's the most likely scenario was that they would have gotten it from him because he came back before he had fully recovered and was no longer contagious. But I'm just hoping, obviously, that that doesn't happen. I mean, I don't want, I don't want really anyone to come down with it that, that doesn't have to, um, you know. And so right, having gone right. through it myself, it's no fun. You know, I can definitely tell you it's, 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 uh, it's you know, definitely something that you don't want to deal with if you can avoid it at all costs. So, um, all right. So final question for you, you know, as a Kansas fan, um, you know, this season obviously has not gone anywhere near what we were hoping that it might have done. Um, you know, it started obviously with getting completely destroyed by Coastal Carolina, and it's you know, honestly kind of gone downhill from there. Um, you know, is that the only thing that Kansas fans really have to expect the rest of the year? Is that it's going to be an extremely difficult year? Um, or is there a reason to think there might be some optimism, whether it's, you know, the fact that they end the season against Texas and TCU and Texas Tech? three teams that seem to be struggling at least right now. Um, like, is there maybe hope that at the back end of that schedule that they can get a win or two and maybe salvage some, some, some optimism to end out the season? It's a great question. So I would say no, just off the bat, because what have we seen so far from this team that indicates there's anything to be excited about moving forward, right? Like, so, you know, I would, I would imagine a majority of Kansas fans checked out after Coastal Carolina because right. it just reinforced what this, this program has been. And, you know, I mean, I'll be, I was hanging out with friends of mine from KU that night, and I was like, oh, kickoff. They're like, what? For what? Kansas football. So, like, you know, these are, these are guys I went to school with. These are big-time Kansas Jayhawk feds. No clue that there was a game on that night. And it was like, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I've got their attention and you lose it, you know, and I'm sure there are a lot of Kansas fans that were kind of in the same boat. Um, but, it, and so now you kind of go back into this conversation about, okay, well, have they already, you know, have they hit rock bottom? Because that's where it's kind of been for Kansas football. It's like, let me know when they've hit rock bottom because I'm not sure if they have yet. And it seemed like last year they had, not by hitting rock bottom last year, but that they were finally raising, getting, you know, that they were finally raising up from being you know rock bottom and now it's like this year i'm like i don't know maybe 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 they got up a little bit for rock bottom and now they're back at the bottom you know like so i i long-winded way to say like man i hope there is something the next few weeks emerges maybe it's Jalen daniels maybe it's just something and it's probably going to have to be a quarterback that gives us hope for the future for this program because 
I thought we had a little bit of hope after last year, and I think that hope was squashed. And and look, we should have known or seen that coming because you you graduate a quarterback that that's you know pretty good and keeps you in games, and now you got to start over at the most important position for a program that hasn't won a lot of football games. So it's not like we should have expected this team to to be as good as it was last year, as competitive as it was last year, because of the players they lost, Adeniji and and you know and the quarterback obviously a huge huge pieces to those. But yeah, I, I would think you know for any hope we need to see something from the quarterback position that look that lets us say okay this team I have some belief that this team could actually be competitive and maybe win some games in the Big Twelve. You know that that's, yeah that's what we have to see. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things kind of like what you were talking about. It feels like they've already hit rock bottom at this point, and maybe they came up a little bit. But, I mean, like this year it almost feels like they're, they, they've hit rock bottom, and now they're like jackhammering trying to see if they can find a way to go any lower. Because, I mean, I'm gonna be, <laughs> like, if, if, if I was not someone who was covering the Jayhawks on this, on this podcast and writing for, for Rock Talk Talk, like I probably would have already tuned out from this season. And, you know, I like to watch sports, but even I have a limit. Like, I, I suffered through the Royals in the 2000s and the Chiefs in the 2000s and, like, you know, some really, really bad performances from teams. And, of course, Kansas football for all except for, like, three years of my life. Um, some really bad teams. Um, so I'm, I'm a glutton for punishment when it comes to sports teams. But, like, this is, this is getting beyond ridiculous at this point. Um, you know, the only – the only bright or the only possible sliver of hope that I have is the fact that Texas seems to be getting worse every single week. TCU has some real problems on their offensive line as well. I don't really know what to expect from Texas Tech because they seem to be as up and down as you can possibly get. They could be absolutely atrocious by the time we get there. They could have packed it all in, um, you know, or the fact that it's in, in, in Lubbock at the end of the season, like all of a sudden they could actually have something to play for. And the fact that everybody is theoretically eligible for a bowl game this season who knows what's going to happen in the last three weeks for pe- for teams that are trying to get a bowl invite, even though, you know, they probably have no business actually looking for one. So it'll be interesting. I think at the end of the season, um, I'm still holding out hope that my prediction of, you know, Kansas beating Texas and getting Tom Herman fired, just like Charlie Strong did, is actually going to come true. Um, so we'll see if that actually happens. But that's the only reason I think that you would tune in at the end of the season is the schedule gets a little bit easier potentially the offensive line could have developed enough so that they can actually give a quarterback some time to make some plays. And so you could start to see a little bit of optimism. And then you just have to hope that in the offseason they can actually build off of whatever they're able to do and give themselves an opportunity to actually do something next season with hopefully a full roster of players with a bunch of guys coming back because of the new eligibility rules. So, all right. Any other final thoughts before we get out here for the night? No, I mean, just to kind of echo your sentiment there, um, you know, last year you kind of felt like, okay, this team can at least compete. You know, like this team at least I could turn on a game and watch them play. I don't know if they're going to win or lose, but I, I at least will watch something that I think is competent football that will get them to be competitive in games. And that's the most disconcerting thing about this year is, I mean, they weren't even competitive against Coastal Carolina. You know, so it's like that. that's the part where it's like get – give me something that makes you believe that they could be somewhat competitive in these games because that's, that's where we're at. Like I winning games would be great. Being competitive in games would be, would be perfect. Yeah, it would be. All right. All right. Well, that will do it for us tonight. Thank you so much for joining me. Where can the people find your work? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Ari sports, A R I sports. 
uh, or subscribe by YouTube page. Uh, it's just search my name, Ari Temkin, or Ari Sports on YouTube. And, uh, subscribe there. And, and and if they want to listen to the uh, you know get get all their Big Twelve news, what's the uh, it's, it's over on Sirius XM. What which which channel is it? Yeah, channel three seventy five, Big Twelve Radio, uh, channel three seventy five, and I'm on seven to ten a.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday. So uh, make sure to check that out in the mornings. Perfect. I, I usually try to listen every time I'm not in a meeting. So um, I definitely recommend it, guys, if, if you haven't already, uh, if you do have the Sirius XM subscription or, you know, if you're looking for something else to listen to, um, I definitely recommend jumping over there and listening to that. So Ari, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasters, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. You can subscribe to us there so you get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments, would be absolutely great. If not, for whatever reason, just, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can actually DM me personally on Twitter. Right now, Twitter's fighting with my Rock Chalk podcast account. Um, but DM me at AndyMitch12, um, and, and I, I'll, I'll take all your suggestions that way. Also, because we're now on Anchor, you actually can leave us voicemails. You heard the first one tonight. Um, so you can ask us questions. You can you know, give us opinions. You can do really be on the show in whatever way you really want to at that point. Just go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message. And you can leave us a voicemail there and we'll get you on the show. So, um, but that'll do it for us tonight. Thank you guys so much for listening. Ari, thank you again for joining me. And we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.